Welcome to another super exciting Inverse Genius Fortnightly. I'm Donald Dennis, and you can find me all over the wilds of the internet as Walsfio. Today, I am thrilled to bring back uh, a gentleman we've pretty much dragged onto all of our shows, uh, Mr. John Manus. Hey, everybody, it's me. <laughs> um, and we have a uh, first time appearer on the Fortnightly. You may have heard her over on the Games and Schools and Libraries podcast, where I hope to entice her back yet there once again, uh, Lydia Ray Waymeyer. Hello, and yes, you have enticed me back. Yes. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, so uh, real quick, uh, John, where can you be found on the internet? And then Lydia, you're going to get that same question of where you'd like to be found. All right. Well, you can find me at the Swarmcast podcast, swarmcastpodcast.com. Um, you can also find me on Twitter and other places that old people like me hang out um, as Cobalt Dude or at Cobalt Dude. Excellent. And Lydia Ray? Um, you can find me on the old Insta at All the World's <laughs> a Stage 07. You can find me on the TikToks. Uh, all the world's a stage 07. And yes, I have joined the Twitterverse, and that is Board Game EDU 007. Oh, very nice. I like that. All right. Well, wonderful. Yes, find our guests there. And for those who don't know, the Fortnightly is where we sort of get together and we talk about stuff usually that we don't talk about on our other shows like onboard games or games in schools and libraries, things that we're super excited about. And since John's been on the show before, Hey John, uh, hey. you got any updates for us? Sure. I got, a, I got a couple really quick updates. Right. Uh, first one is I took um, a recommendation that you had on one of the episodes and I've eaten at least five pounds of uh, Kerrygold butter and it's delicious. <laughs> That's, that butter that's is awful. legit, though. That butter is good. <laughs> Spend the money. It's really good. That butter is, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't recommend that you buy, you know, 10 pounds all when it goes on sale around St. Patrick's Day, which it always does. Oh, um, be, because that's a lot to eat before it goes bad. But, yes, it's it's a delicious, delicious butter. <laughs> um, what's, your, what's your next update? All right. So, um, on I, it might have been that same episode. I talked about... Uh, how I was reading the trades for the comic book Rat Queens, which mm -hmm. is by put out by um, currently being put out by Image Comics. I say currently, I think it's ended or ended for who knows how long. Um, I have completed. I have completed reading all of the trades, so I'm all caught up on Rat Queens. And nice. on that episode, I had said that um, I think by the third trade, it kind of it almost seems like a really soft reboot, and it kind of drop some of the plot threads that it uh, had ended with the first two trades. Well, I couldn't be farther from wrong. It mm. totally picks that back up. It becomes um, main plot points to the point that uh, even if you were like me thinking, oh, well, that's just because they switched companies or something. No, you're wrong. You're totally wrong. It comes back. It slaps you in the face. It's great. The whole book is great. Start to finish. It's awesome. Nice. So they fill in the holes. Oh boy, do they. Excellent. Um, well, I don't really have anything to give any updates on. Um, you know, I've even kind of quit playing Valheim, so there's the thing. But I will say that uh, I asked over on the Inverse Genius Facebook group real quick uh, what folks have been enjoying or that they want us to sort of name drop here. 
And uh, Bill Corey said that he's been playing cloud punk on Steam, which is not a thing that I had time to check before we got on here. But have either of you played cloud punk? I have not. Okay. It sounds like it's right up. But I haven't personally played it. John, you've played everything. Have you played I, Cloud Punk? Yes, I've played everything. <laughs> no, I've not. I've not played Cloud Punk. Um, it's if it sounds like it should be amazing, based off of just knowing what the words cloud and punk mean. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, so yes, uh, listen for that later. We may have Bill on to tell us all about it. And Bob Wyman has said that uh, he's finally started watching the HBO Watchmen series, which is amazing and we may have him talk about it uh, because I would look for pretty much any excuse to talk about the Watchmen series. And now, on HBO. And now we know who watches the Watchmen. It's Bob Wyman. It's Bob Wyman. Yes. Ooh, that was such a great series. I've basically told all my middle schoolers to watch it because I'm introducing them into like comics and whatnot, especially in drama class. It's such a beautiful show. So Yes, <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not sure it's middle school appropriate. What age is middle school? Uh, preteens. Hmm. So they, maybe they didn't get some of the jokes. That's gotcha. what sixth, seventh, they, they and eighth did grade. It. Yeah, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. But yeah, they'll, they'll they're the ones it. that they'll get it. They'll get it. <laughs> they're the yeah. ones that brought it to me. They're like Miss Way. My last name is Waymeyer. They're like Miss Waymeyer. Have you seen Watchmen? And I'm like, <gasps> hmm. I was like, yes. And I was like, you really shouldn't be watching that. And it's like, well, my mom said, and I'm like, okay, but no, Watchmen's great. It, it was, it was amazing and, uh, and, and dark and just light enough at the right spots. And you go, I really like as it, when you get dark fiction like that, it's really cool when there are also characters that you like, because so often, I see this this show or that show. John doesn't, you know, like it when I start talking bad about some properties. Uh, so I'll say it's just nice. I liked the Watchmen all the way through because there were some super cool characters, and then there were some super horrible characters that I just love to hate. Um, so I, you can talk bad about any property you want. I don't. I don't yeah, not on this show. That's not what this show is. <laughs> That's true. I would love to to pick your mind about uh, Lydia Lydia Ray about what comics you're suggesting and trying to introduce them to. Well, the thing is, is that I'm not as familiar with a lot of the titles. I'm actually learning along with my students. I've actually had asked for a lot of donations for like I think it's drive through RPG, mm-hmm. and they've given me a lot of donations for. Um, just RPG books and just different comics uh, because I use it as a tool for like monologue and like script writing for my students. And we use them as like artistic scenography for them and just how they're able to use the characters and use them as like a character build for their characters or just as an expression of themselves of how maybe they would like to be in like a future sense or in their present tense. So it's really a nice imagery for them to, just create a character that maybe they would like to be. So when my students, you know, if they introduce things from the culture now of like Watchmen or we talk about anime, it's just really cool how they can identify with different characters. So I use a lot of, you know, comics or manga or just anything that has like really great illustration and imagery just for them to kind of dive in and see what kind of character traits they can pick out of and, built something that 
maybe they can find it themselves. Nice. That's very cool. Well, uh, this sounds like an excellent opportunity to dive into what is your thing, Lydia Ray? What would you like to share with our listeners that you think is super exciting or interesting? Okay. So I'm a nerd. Hi. Welcome. Welcome. You're amongst <laughs> friends. Yes. So just a brief background about me. I'm a speech and theater teacher. Um, when you follow me on my handles, I incorporate board games and RPGs into the drama and speech classroom. I teach in a predominantly African-American community with individuals with trauma. So every Friday I do like board game Fridays and I use it to build inclusion and diversity and as a way to use them as a self-care tool. Mm. For me, um, I also do LARP. (laughs) So on my not so busy days, which are in the beginnings of the mornings on Sunday, I go to, um, a LARP. I'm in a LARP group, uh, nice vanguard. In St. Louis, which are really cool. And I LARP with them for like an hour or two, which is live action role playing. And one day recently, like last week, I was just sitting there because I had just driven to like the Van Gogh Museum exhibit in Chicago, like the immersive one. If anyone is thinking about going, you should go. It's a very, very interesting experience. So I was. That could have been your topic right there. That's a whole topic in and of itself. Well, then you just have to invite me again, and then I'll just talk about it. All right. Like a whole different stuff. All right. We'll do that. Back to LARP. Okay. (laughs) So, okay. So I first learned about LARP from like hilarious documentaries and just a bunch of historical LARPing. That's all that I knew. And then going to this park, I'm like, oh, okay. They're hitting each other with like foam things. They're nerds. I'm laughing on the inside. But I was there and I found like a little community. And they're very accepting, okay? Um, Being aware that I was the only person of color that was there at the moment. Then I realized that I was the only female person of color there. There was another female fighter, uh, which her name is Chelsea. And I also realized that it was very white male dominated which isn't a problem it's just how the LARPing community is and that's just the interest but as I was sitting there and I was as I was watching I was noticing craftsmanship each of the players build their own swords usually some of them get their you know their that's what's called their their garb their sword their shields their tunics and If there's a correction corner for anyone that's with LARP, like I said, I'm very new at this, so I apologize. Um, No judgment. No judgment here. Thank you. But I just really started thinking, and another player whose name is Steve, we both work in the educational uh, community. We both work with individuals with trauma. We are um, both anti-bias, anti-racist trained educators. And we were thinking and we were like, I was like, Steve, this could be an amazing tool to use in my classroom. And he was like, what do you mean, Lydia? And I was like, I could use live action role playing as a drama tool. Mm -hmm. Because in theater, this is basically stage combat. Because in stage combat part of theater, you have to learn how to fight. And you could use 
LARPing as a unit. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then my head started going in different bubbles, like in brainstorming, like you would go Google brainstorming and you have like all those little clouds, you know? And then I was like, oh my gosh. And then I did an experiment with one of my other friends, Brendan. And I, since I deal with trauma-informed youth, I was like, okay, we're going to get real here for a second. I love to do things about communities because like if we're talking right now, we're in all different communities, okay? Mm-hmm. We're either brought into a community or we are put in a community or we leave a community. That is just how life is. And sometimes we can help it, sometimes we can't. So I stood out like on the field and I was like, what do you see? And I was like, he was like, I see people fighting. And I asked him, I was in shorts and a t-shirt. I said, do I look like I belong here? And he was very nervous. And he was like, do you really want me to answer? I said, based on everyone, everyone else is in their community garb. They're in their fighting gear, et cetera. I said, do I look like I belong here? He said, no. And I said, why? Because you don't look like them. Why? And I had him do this for a reason. Because when you look on the outsides of people with communities, everyone will look to see, oh, there's this random black girl that doesn't fit in with this LARPing community. And that's what I do in my classroom. I teach my kids that hobbies have no color. So when I got the idea and I looked and I brainstormed, if you strip away what you saw on the outside and just looked at the components, this is a perfect tool for theater. You can have kids build costuming with build their own, you know, tunics and build their own shields and their swords. You can have team building and collaboration where they have to decide on which teams or groups they're in. You can have them build their own rules with if they're going to have certain type of spells they're going to use for battle games. You can have them set up a hierarchy, you know, who's going to be the captain of the team. You can have so many things about them develop character narratives. And I just looked and I said, don't you see? I just told like a bunch of people around me. I was like, this is a perfect tool for theater. And I started getting excited because I'm like, this opportunity would never possibly happen if you looked at a community of black kids, if you looked at a community of rural kids or anyone that doesn't have resources and be like, you know, those kids could get in the LARP. Or if you thought about it, if I tag back on the board gaming, those kids could actually sit down and play Terraforming Mars. Mm -hmm. Those kids over there would enjoy slam poetry. I don't know that I can help those kids. So (laughs) I I don't know how to slam poetry is basically what I'm saying. Oh, well, I'll teach you. you. I will teach you. I will teach you. That is one of my specialties. All right. I will let but you But I was me. looking and I was like, <laughs> if, we, if we tear it apart, you have community, you have support, you have family. And during teenage and middle school years, that is one of the hardest things to find. And even as adults, even in the adult group, we're still struggling with that. And how much of a therapeutic way especially with kids that I work with that may not have a good family life at home Mm -hmm. to be able to, with all the crap going on with the race and the social class and all this other crap, like 
to be able to come to the battlefield, aka the park, right. and be able to join hands and just fight each other with some foam swords, but enjoy each other over this game. Right. Or in the board game sense that I do in my classroom. Race doesn't matter. Social class doesn't matter. Finances don't matter. They're all playing the same game for one reason, to have fun. Absolutely. So so that's what I'm excited about. Because if you look at it, and if I were to go right now and say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and teach these kids LARP just on the outside. Or if I go to Gen Con which I am actually, I'm going to be presenting a workshop, which I'll come back later and talk about. Well, yeah, that'll be a different show. <laughs> yes. You yeah. know, if I were to like literally go and tell someone, hey, I'm going to teach LARP to these black kids. They're going to be like, <laughs> good luck. And then I would ask them, why, why, why is your reaction? They don't have any interest. And my biggest thing for anyone listening, you never know until you try. So that's why I'm excited. And that's why I wanted to share. Because I'm excited to see how this is going to formulate. If you take away the aspects of the outside and just break it down in pieces, you can do it. Right. And and it is sort of interesting that compared to some other hobbies, LARPing especially has a lot of outward signals that just say, I'm, I'm interested, right? Um, You know, it's like if, if you, if I walked up to a LARPing event and I saw anyone who was, you know, not at all, even nodding towards garb, you'd go, well, okay, this one's, this person here, whoever they are is obviously here because their child, their, their, their sister, their whomever it is, is needing a ride or, or what have you. But if you give somebody a cape and a pointy hat, then all of a sudden you're, you're at least showing like you're interested in participating. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, and it's one step that, that people People think of you at least a little bit less of an outsider because there's so many outward signals that says, yes, this is something I care about. Yeah. And, and it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be, oh, look, I have bought this thing uh, you know, at a convention from a multi-million dollar seller of things. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yep, I've got my cardboard tube and, I, and I've got my pointy hat made out of craft foam and, and I want to do a thing. And you know, people will be people, but at least they know you care. Exactly. And that's kind of the thing also that I stressed, which is really big for real life skills, is the teaching knowledge of, hey, there's going to be people at this park that are going to get on your nerves. There's going to be people there that are going to be know-it-alls. And even at the park that I LARP at, they're the, the snooty ones that think they know everything because they have hierarchy, quote unquote, in their minds. When in reality... They don't. And it's Mm. just like in life, you're going to deal with people that are going to think that they're better than you. But what is the main goal of your purpose there is to have fun. You're going to have someone, just like you said, have the fancy, have the fancy sword. But what makes you fancy? If you want to have like a nice little pen that represents you, then you go for it. And then also what's really cool is gonna it's it expresses diversity. No one is the same. You know, it's I think about a lot of my kiddos that are um in the LGBTQIA plus community, how 
they could express themselves in the way that maybe they feel like gender wise they could express comfortably. Yep. And I just think it just has a universal opportunity, especially with theater, you know, all the roles of stage. That's why I chose that as my username because, you know, theater has no restriction It's for everyone as long as you allow it to happen. So I just think it's really cool. And so me and my friend, Steve, that I mentioned earlier, we have, we're thinking about some stuff because we're all about the youth. We want to start young. We want to start in those crucial ages where we want to bring more hobbies to people, you know, on a future well, on episode. Right that. Yeah. We want to bring, we want, if we're talking about like diversity and inclusion and hobbies where you hear everyone, where it's very, uh, um, one race dominated, mm-hmm. it's, it's no one's fault. <laughs> you're either brought into the hobby or you're born into it. Now it's our decision and our choice to decide how we're going to reach these different communities. And that's my job. That's a passion that I have. Mm-hmm. And this is one example of a love that I do. And nice. it's really cool. And I'm glad you allowed me to be here to share it with you. Well, I'd like for you to put a bow on this and explain or give a a real quick summary of where other people can either look to, uh, to sort of leverage what you've learned from this or, or what one resource you might point them at to say, Hey, this is, this is sort of where we're talking at because, uh, um, you know, I think what you're saying is amazing. Um, and I would like uh, to give our listeners an, uh, an easy step into the kinds of things you're talking about. I would say just keep a lookout, like on my Instagram, all the world's a stage. Mm-hmm. 07, because that's where I post most of my educational journey with my kids. And that's where I'll probably post the information about the LARP and the drama class. I am working on maybe starting something more like, I have a passion of wanting to do like an educational website because I want to do like educational materials for board games. That's also a passion where I do lesson plans. So I'll be in contact with you and like maybe tag something on the Facebook page where I can attach a link to it. So absolutely. Um, And put all your links in the show notes thing so that I can include them in our, uh, for when people get the podcast. So absolutely. All right. Well, John, I don't know how you're going to compete with that. I was just um, thinking that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, but that's why I'm having you go next so that I don't have to. What you got for us today? Well, let's see. Where to, where to start this off? Uh, I feel like I should uh, – this is the – I'm going to Bruce Vogue this for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so so <laughs> uh, around the time of my birthday, my dad had given me a couple of these uh, Sonos speakers. And if you're, if you're not familiar with those are um, – I suggest going and looking those up. Needless to say, they're they're wire they're um they're wire Wi-Fi streaming speakers, so you can stream music from all sorts of things to them. They're great and they're really good speakers and they're portable. I can put them wherever I want. And I didn't realize how good the sound quality was until I finally got them uh, connected and started playing some of my my favorite stuff. And at one point, I was going through and I found one of my favorite records from when. I say records. I, I think I had it on a CD, but anyways, one of my favorite uh, 
records from when I was in um, college. Mm. Or excuse me, from when I was in high school. And I didn't realize they had uh, remastered it and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, well, I'll try that out. And usually when I find someone's remastered something, it's it's I tend to find it to be okay. But this was like an experience and a half. It was like I'd listened to this thing for the first time ever. So I started well, going well, What is it? Rap. Well, it's not the album I'm going to be talking about on this, but I'll tell you but what you it is. But you have to tell us. What but was I'll the album? I'll tell you what it is. All right. <laughs> and this is this is such a, a great album for the listeners of, of this show to go check out. It is uh, the 30th, I think it is, anniversary uh, remastered edition of Scumdogs of the Universe by Guar. Oh. Right? Huh. All right. Yeah, that's so, a thing. That's a thing. Interesting. You have to be very interested. Yeah, it's it's a, but, needless to say, <laughs> that got me well, going. Okay. In, I think now you me- need to tell the listeners what Guar is because I bet about half of them don't okay. know. I love Guar. I, I could just well, I'll tell you what. I could just I could just make this what I'm going to talk about be be this Guar album. How about that? Or do you think that's not? Uh, I'm all, I'm all in whatever it is, man. I just you don't want to okay, okay, okay. you don't want to okay. drop a name like Guar and then sure. not explain. Let's it. let's do it. Let's go all in. Scumdogs of the Universe. So this was like their second major album, uh, which is you know I'm glad they didn't remaster their first album because their first album is they weren't they didn't really know what they were trying to be. So Guar is very much a uh, they're they're a, a heavy metal band, but they're also kind of an art band. Their whole shtick is they dress up in these crazy costumes and have these their their performances are not just the music, but it's it's a whole visual act and everything, which ties in greatly with uh, the previous subject of LARPing in many ways. And cosplay, yep. It's because, really cool. It's really because, cool. Guar is cool. Because when you go to a Guar concert, you are not just an audience member. You are participating in what sort of crazy thing is going on there. You're now, not just an audience member. You're a victim. Pretty much. I will say this. Guar is not for everybody. They, um, they, they take that heavy metal stereotype and they, they push that up to like 12. So they go past 11 on that. Mm. Um, and it's, uh, they, they go beyond what might people would, would consider offensive, but it's to a ridiculous degree. So if you've ever watched any, um, any what is it, Japanese uh, horror gore films, this is that. It's pretty much that. But it's going on right in your face. And so, so they, they, splay, they spray fake blood and, and gore and viscera and other things all over their audience, all over each other. They, they stage fights with each other or, or these crazy things they bring up on stage. But more importantly, their music is really good. <laughs> and, and so this album, Scum Dogs of the Universe, um, was probably one of their best albums, in my opinion. And this remastered version... Oh my gosh, it's so amazing. There's, there's vocals from their lead singer that... Um, are in there that I had never heard before. I think it was ones that when they were with their original company, Metal Blade, they probably had to take out. Because I know a lot of times some of the music from not too recent, they've had to, not just Guar, but other bands have had to um, do things like drop the bass down or, or cut out certain parts because it was just, they could not effectively burn those to 
whatever type of media we had. But now that we're in this digital age with lossless audio and vinyl technology has improved so much better, they were able to restore all of this stuff. The new so, age of vinyl. A new age of vinyl, right? A new age of audio cassette and vinyl. Wrap your head around that. Um, <laughs> well, I'm really glad that, that Lydia likes Quar because I have nothing to say about them. Well, and I'm glad she does too, because now I can ask. So what is your who what is your favorite Guar album, do you think? Okay, or so thing. I I have to admit it's I've only known like I don't know the the songs per se, but I've seen their videos. Okay. And okay. I miss them by like a little bit at Gen Con because they have a Guar board game. Or right. like it's it's a Guar um, game, yeah. Yeah. But their costumes are crazy. But yes, they can be quote unquote, you know, offensive, but they do engage like a lot of the audience and it's crazy. It's great. Like it's like a whole artistic experience. Mm -hmm. So what John is saying is like, it's crazy. And they, they are fully immersed in the whole thing. So at no point will you see them, um, they have a rule. It's either you, you see either get them all in on the costumes or all out, but nowhere in between because they don't want to break that illusion. Even to the point where if you're interviewing one of them or any interviews with any of them, if they are in costume, they, they will only acknowledge the, the, um, their alternate persona as, as a separate entity type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the narrative, and it's great. It's like one of these bands I love because there's a whole mythology behind them. They're, they're space barbarians who, uh, were sentenced to exile on earth long, long time ago, back when the dinosaurs ruled. In fact, they're responsible for, for killing the dinosaurs and possibly the reason human beings came into existence. Uh, but then they were frozen in Antarctica until sometime in the eighties when they're their manager, a guy by the name of Sleazy P. Martini, woke them up and decided that they needed to become a rock band, a, a metal band. And uh, hijinks and hilarity ensue from there as they go on a rampage of uh, destroying all sorts of uh, all sorts of society icons and and the such. That's a very that's a very clean way of putting all of that. It, at conventions, I have many times passed by rooms where Gwar was doing their thing, but never actually deigned to go inside. So um, I know that they're a thing, <laughs> and and I have had uh, an orbital experience of them, uh, but uh, no actual encounters. So it does, however, surprise me that they're ever allowed to play the same venue twice. Well, they've for a while there they were they were banned from certain places. And so they would get around that by uh, playing under the name of Raug, which is Guar spelled backwards. Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. So they would do stuff like that, or they they use their uh, lead singer's real name, and and they just go by the Dave Brocky Experience, or sometimes uh, Death Piggy. It just it just really depended. Um, but yeah, if you go to a Guar show, you uh, will not end up with without stuff on you. Because they will spray you down with something. It's going to get sloppy, as they used to say on Double Dare. I love uh, Double Dare. 
<laughs> I always wanted to be on there. Nice. Bring it. Bring back Double Dare and Legends of the Hidden, Hidden Temple. I was always a Barracuda. <laughs> so yes, I. But yes, I suggest that anybody who's um, old enough or have their parents' permission check out. 30th anniversary uh, remastered edition of Scum Dogs of the Universe. You'll be pleasantly surprised or pleasantly Make sure offended. You put all that in the notes. Um, did you want to uh, give a quick name drop to the other band that you were going to mention? <laughs> so, the, so this was all leading into me talking about a band that has nothing to do with Guar. In fact, this is probably on the complete opposite spectrum. Was this band that I had just rediscovered? recently and i forgot how much i i love this band um it's this a trip hop alternative rock band called chibamato which is italian for crazy food um they are from they are from america they're from all over the place in america um but their their stuff particularly their second album um stereotype a uh, is just a great album there's there's all sorts their their style is just varied it's it's very nice. It's it's a definitely a very different from Guar. Nice. All right. Well, I just couldn't. I knew you were going to mention them before. I couldn't couldn't not let you. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So I, I'm going to talk. Uh, well, real quick. I don't know if we've mentioned Mark Rober on the show before or not. Um, I'm not going to go into it too deep, but he has two videos that everybody needs to watch, uh, and one of them is the. Uh, the squirrel obstacle course uh, to protect uh, to protect his uh, bird feeder because they were eating all of his bird seed. So he decided, I'm going to make a big old obstacle course, uh, which instead of keeping these squirrels away, just turned in for him a way to tell a neat little story about the squirrels eventually getting to the prize that he set up. Um, and then he did a second one uh, this year because the first one came out relatively early in the pandemic. And then he did another one this year, which is a bank heist of the squirrels breaking into a new maze that he made. And you will feel like a happier person for it. Um, and just look, so do a search on Mark Rober squirrel uh, or Mark Rober squirrel obstacle course or ninja course or bank heist. And, um, and you'll get those on YouTube. And, and I recommend them. And I also recommend his channel because he did glitter bombs for people who stole packages off of his porch. Um, which is another amazing series of videos. Um, so uh, somebody who I thought I would have forced to watch these um, said that they'd never heard of them. So I feel obligated to mention them on the show. Um, are either of you familiar with Mark Rober and the stuff that Mark Rober does? I am not, but that sounds amazing and beautiful and it makes me so happy. And as soon as I'm off of this, I'm going to go watch some squirrels. <laughs> Some squirrels. Yep. There's two two episodes, about fifteen to twenty minutes each. Yeah. That um, makes it so much better. Yep. Oh yeah. Right. I've 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 seen it. It's it's great because I, I remember, you know, there was there was there's been videos out there where people have been like, you know, oh, I've built a squirrel catapult, so when they chew on this corn it shoots them across the lawn. He is totally not like that at all. He he develops a, a very great fondness and he goes out of his way to, 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 to let everybody know that, yeah, these, he is not bringing any harm to these squirrels. If it's just, he teaches it's, you some squirrel science too. That's true. So, that is very true. Oh, it's well gosh. worth learning about why squirrels can a fall from any height uh -huh. and B 
know how quickly where they're going to land. So it's pretty spectacular. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. All right. So what I want to talk, because I'd mentioned this uh, in the Facebook group and uh, at least one person said, yes, I want to hear more about this, <laughs> um, is that uh, a longtime associate of mine from back when I was working at Iron Crown, Scott Sigler has written a lot of fiction and he wrote the first ever uh, novel for podcasting, right? It was, it was written to be podcast as it was being done and uh, he's done some pretty amazing stuff. Uh, he's written some cool horror stuff. He's done some pretty neat YA fiction um, things and um, the generation series. But what I really want to talk about today is his Galactic Football League uh, series, which if you know me, you know that I care absolutely nothing for sports in any form, pretty <laughs> much. I am I am anti-sports guy. I mean, occasionally I will go and watch a sport thing in real life because I like sort of the pageantry or you know, the grandeur of people getting excited about stuff, but I couldn't tell you one person down there from the other and they have their names and numbers on their stuff. And I don't even care enough to learn any of that. Um, I'm just not a sports guy and I'm, I'm very excited that people are, but he has made aliens play football and it is pretty amazing. Um, and there's also gangsters and it's, it's a crime thing. And so uh, one of the things that Scott Sigler does, it's, probably the best of all is he doesn't make Star Trek human-like aliens or even Star Wars human-like aliens. Uh, they are aliens that have their own genetics, that have their own, um, you know, ways of communicating that are not always the same as humans. Not everybody can speak human languages. Uh, he also has sent humans out to other planets. So you have heavy G people and, and aquatic people and, and whatnot. And so it is a very spectacular look at the main characters, Quentin Barnes, who comes from, well, I guess sort of fits the the Midwest uh, upbringing that Scott originally had was he came from a, a incredibly religious planet that was, you know, not necessarily as, a, you know, socially or, uh, you know, culturally advanced as some of the other planets. Um, and he has to overcome his prejudices about people and about uh you know, things like that as he gets out into the larger galaxy as a whole with the first thing. And this is a many, many series, a uh, book series that's out now. And so I just, I really like it. Um, it gets, it takes a couple of weird turns where it's no longer all just about the sports or, or about gangster stuff, though there is a lot of gangster stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's Scott Sigler's Galactic Football League series. You know, it's like the starter, the rookie, or it's like, it all starts with football names. So the first one's like the rookie, the next one's the starter, the next one's like the all pro. I don't, I don't know what all they are because once again, these are sports things that I don't actually care about, but I tell you what, I will listen about a Sklorno running in a touchdown all day long. So yeah, go Krakens. Huh. That's very, that's very interesting. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, yeah. And so he has done the audio on all of these himself. I've actually have read several of them, but um, I also own most of them in audiobook form. And he does the silly voices for the ones who have silly voices or the, you know, gruff and barely understandable voices for the others. And it's it's a passion project of his to sort of show that, hey, a lot of people have a lot of things to get over when dealing with other people. And aliens shouldn't all be rubber forehead wearing people. <laughs> you know, so there you go. 
um, check it out. If you're looking for, you know, something sci-fi and, you know, he tries to get a science right as much as you can when you're doing science fiction. It's not all, obviously. I mean, there's jump drives and, and other kinds of things, but, um, he, he consults with actual people who know science, especially on his horror stuff. Oh my gosh. His, uh, yeah, his horror books are disturbing. Um, I don't, you know, if you don't like horror, don't, don't even look at those, but, uh, the galactic football league is a pretty good romp. I recommend it highly. That's it. Um, obviously neither one of you have experienced that. No, I haven't, but I was wondering if, if he had, um, if you had a Kraken's football Jersey, I do not have a Kraken's football Jersey though. He did make me a character. Um, I think it was for the orbital death. He used my name for one of the characters, um, <laughs> on one of the teams. I need to go and check what it, what, what one it is. Cause early out, he calls his fans, the junkies. Um, and he's the, uh, the FDO, the future dark overlord. Nice. Um, and he, you know, sort of plays up the writer stereotypes wherever he can. Um, but it's, um, you know, it's amazing how, uh, sort of he ties all of that into still being a very genuine sort of guy, uh, when you watch it, cause he, he does a lot of, you know, in quarantine stuff videos where he's just there talking with people. And of course he has okay. a dog that you get to see a lot of. So that, that helps. Uh, this really kind of reminds me of a little bit of the old, Back in the olden days, we used to have these things that came on on Saturday mornings called cartoons. Yep. And there was one in particular called Galaxy High, which is about mm. you know this interplanetary high school, and the, the first two Earth students are are there, and of course one of them's there on a football scholarship. So it kind of makes me think of that because hmm. those aliens were definitely not any of the uh, Star Trekian uh, or Star Warsian type of. Uh, Right. Aliens. Right, right, right. And it also and it also kind of reminds me of this there's a series by Robert Aspirin called uh Fool's Company and it's P H U L E. I think I read one or two of those. But he's he's got one where it, they end up playing having to play some sort of professional sports ball game. But that's right. not the main crux of that whole thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, as a group, have we all watched Loki? I have not. You had one thing of homework to do for this. <laughs> I know it, but this All right. so I failed. I'm sorry. Maybe I have watched it. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's that kind of show. Maybe you don't know. I mean, uh, you, you could have seen it. But I mean, you can still talk about it. I don't know. Yeah, you can still talk. And you could just go, oh, yeah, that's right. Ah, that's right. yes. That was a good part. Mm-hmm. I- and then the listeners can... We can make up stuff and the listeners can try to figure out, hey, wait a minute. That's she's obviously just nodding her right. head to that part. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So before <laughs> we get into into Loki, which is what I kind of wanted to do as the group thing is that for the last couple weeks, I was just incredibly sick. And I ended up re-watching almost all of the Marvel Universe stuff, or at least all the movies that were released. Oh my! And, and I have to say that I am surprised at how well they kind of hold up because I remember being irritated by some stuff when they came out. Right. And even that bothered me less. Now it could have been because I was feverish and delusional even more so than normal. But I think that the Marvel universe as a whole, even some of the weaker entries like the Thor dark world or whatever, when you are binging them all like their television shows, uh, mm-hmm. that uh, that they all sort of cling together and work very well as as a pretty good unit. Now, that doesn't mean that I want them to stop. I like where they're going more with some of the future stuff that they're promising us. 
and, and I can't wait to see, you know, like Shang-Chi and some of the other, other movies with, with other characters that aren't sort of the generic ones that they hadn't been able to sell the rights to. But uh, yeah, so um, I don't know. Are you, are both of you somewhat fans of the Marvel universe? So I am, I'm behind. <laughs> so I like Marvel mm. and I saw Endgame. See, as you see, I'm pausing because I'm like, I need to make sure I get this right. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be right. It's like, what do you mean by behind? It's not this kind of show. <laughs> well, because like, uh, <laughs> I was invited to go see like, the final mark like end game but i had never saw like any of like the marvel movies except for like no i didn't even see black panther so i literally had to like watch certain movies to prepare myself oh. for. Oh. Like, so and they, that was- they wanted you to watch the last one first okay. yes okay. that's the same thing with star wars <laughs> <laughs> when I was before watching Mandalorian, so I was, so I had to watch. So I'm like new into the Marvel universe. So yeah, so I'm open oh. to whatever. So I'm really interested about Loki. I understand who Loki is now. So I'm really excited about the conversation about Loki, and I'm now learning about different stuff. Mm, gotcha. So all right, if you are spoiler averse. <laughs> I am fine with spoilers. Well, I'm going to let, let our listeners know that if you're spoiler averse, we're going to talk for a couple minutes in broad strokes, and then we are going to spoil episode one, which is the only one that's out. John, what what did you think of it? Sort of in, in high level, did you like it? Did you think it was dumb? Did you think it shows promise? Where are you on the whole Loki scale? Non-spoilery. Non-spoilery. I love it. It hits a lot of my favorite types of things that I want to see in these types of shows. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I like it because it doesn't really feel like anything else that we've seen from Marvel. And, and I think that's one of the cool things that they do is they do a heist movie that's also a superhero movie, mm-hmm. you know, or they do a, uh, you know, kind of romantic comedy or they do a spy thriller or they do right. just a variety of things that they're, and they're not never afraid to sort of say, well, well, we can turn anything into a superhero movie. Yeah. And, and of, of the three Disney plus things that they have out now. You have kind of the 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 very some of the very different types of like if you were going to get Marvel Comics, these are the different types of books you would get. You want the one that's just crazy and strange and has to deal with the occult and magic and stuff. Well, then WandaVision totally totally goes into that. You want to just see superheroes. You just want to see guys running around punching each other in the face. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, totally right. totally up there. And then if you're like, but I want the one that's just kind of, uh, I don't know, very much the oddball that has a quirky sense about it. Here you go. Here's Loki. It's like ultra cosmic weirdness. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Okay. Well, cool. All right. So now I think uh, that I can't wait to see where it's going. I thought they did a great job at making everything that happened in all of the previous Marvel movies not matter at all. (laughs) <laughs> uh, which we'll get into here shortly. Um, but uh, it's probably a good good chance for everybody to sort of, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, pause here, go watch it, and then come back and listen. So Loki, and I was just actually about to ask that. So it is mm-hmm. a good it is a good show for someone. So it does separate, basically, from the previous Marvel series. But you need to know, basically, who the whole Loki 
is, right? No, you don't actually even have to know who Loki is. Oh, you don't even. So it's just a completely standalone series. Well, they do a good job at telling you who Loki was. Oh, that's that, good. That's easily a, easily a third of the show is mm-hmm. is sort of getting Loki across to you. Mm-hmm. So, and if and if all you've seen is like the first Marvel's The Avengers movie, if all you've seen is that, they do a good enough job of filling in whatever blanks need to be filled in. Okay, because I know, like for me, for like a first timer, for like any like. Like with Marvel, for instance, like going into different series, such as like when I do watch Loki, it's always Mm -hmm. like an intimidation factor of like, oh my gosh, I don't know basically everything that goes into it. Will I be able to get that? That was kind of the fear, like with Mandalorian, not being able to know like the different bits and pieces of everything. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. I think Mandalorian is probably better if you don't know anything about Star Wars, because being a Star Wars fan is an exercise in disappointment. It. Yeah, I, I I'd have to more or less agree with Donald on that one. Um, you know, I love Mandalorian. I thought it was great. It was exactly what I wanted from Star Wars, even though I didn't think I wanted it to end the way it did. But uh-huh. I was so happy with with that final episode. So mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> I, I was like, if you had told me that that's how it was going to end, I would say that's going to yeah. suck, and I would have been wrong. Would have been absolutely <laughs> wrong. Um, but so, all right, let's dig in a little bit about this episode. You know, in yeah. the first, in the first three to f- three phases, right? Mm-hmm. It was all about the Infinity Stones. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> and and pretty much, they destroy. I don't know twenty of them with the swing of a club in this one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it's like, oh, no big deal. Whatever. We use those as paperweights. Um, so that that is such a great I don't know a great realization right there. You can you can actually see where his character. That's the moment where it just all clicks into place. That what what have I been doing? What is the point of all this other stuff if you just collect these things here like paperweights? Right. He's like we've we've we thought thousands of peoples of wars, um, you know decades of conflict, whatever. And uh-huh. yeah, whatever. We, we don't care. It's a Tesseract, whatever. Anyone here can pick it up instead of exploding, which is, you know, what happened elsewhere. <laughs> and so the other thing is, you know, Owen Wilson's man, is his nose just getting more and more broken over time? <laughs> I mean, he is an amazing, you know, if you like him, he's an amazing actor. If you don't like him, nothing's going to convince you. He's great. But I, Everybody who has talked is like, is he okay? Did they did they do more makeup to make his nose look more broken or whatever? It is? And oh. I think it's just he's just getting older. He's just getting and it's older. Just sort of happening. And man, um, he can he can pull off the mustache. He can pull off the stash. Yeah. So the mustache is the same mustache that somebody who did continuity for Marvel Comics used to have. Right. That apparently, they made him wear as a Easter egg. Right. Because when that whenever that character would show up in the comics, it was supposed to be a nod to that same that same editor, that same writer. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much else do we want to talk about besides just saying it is it is neat to see them turning everything up on its head. What is your big question that you have after episode one, John? What is it that you are most concerned or worried or interested in? Well, I have I have two questions. Okay. One is, uh, who is this other Loki? Right. You know? I, I think I know who which the is, other Loki is. Which is, well, and I'm like, which, what part, you know, where, when? 
question mark is he from because that because that's you know i've got a few theories but whatever right uh my other big question is uh will we see knowing that um because they're talking about the multiverse in here and knowing that we have dr strange multiverse of madness coming out mm-hmm. and knowing that um quantum mania the new the ant-man movie is coming out which is going to be dealing with the quantum verse and they've already said who the main bad guy of that is. Yes. Will we see hints of Marvel's time traveling uh, supervillain extraordinaire Kang the Conqueror showing up or being mentioned in this series? Well, his girlfriend's already been in the series. I say girlfriend, his love interest, his oh, oh yeah, yeah, entanglement. I have no idea. I haven't actually read the comics, but I've listened to way too many people talking about this. <laughs> so. Um, so my question is: is they talk about the sacred timeline, right? Mm-hmm. Is this organization, the TVA, is it protecting the sacred timeline so that we don't get so many splits up and there's a war and then everything ends? Or are they protecting the sacred timeline because the outcome of this timeline is supposedly what's important? Because those are two completely different organizations, right? (laughs) One is we're just trying to stop everything from spinning out of control. Uh And so by pruning things and keeping a timeline as sort of a, this is the thing. That's, that's, you know, you can say maybe it's bad cops. Maybe it's good. You know, maybe it's, it's, you know, people not knowing what they're doing, but they're, they're doing their best. Or you can say, we are specifically trying to manipulate all of the timelines to get us one specific achievement at the end. And that's a completely different group of people. See, and I, and I believe that because they're talking about the the timekeepers, and the sacred timeline, I, it totally stinks of, uh, oh, these guys are manipulating this to get the best outcome for them. But they're spinning it to be the whole, uh, oh, no, you guys are, are uh, protecting uh, the sacred timeline. But honestly, the moment they said sacred timeline, I hated everything about the timekeepers. Well, right that, yeah, it was like, yeah, I think know. that's the big that's the big hint right there. That's the big clue. That's the tip off right there. That's yep. my that's my thought, anyways. They did a lot of uh, character development for Loki in this movie, or in this mm-hmm. episode, movie, in this episode, that was a lot of shorthand, but based on all the other information they were giving us, it felt like it all still worked, right? It's like, mm-hmm. normally you wouldn't see a character that apparently develops as much as this character does in such a short period. And maybe he didn't. Maybe he's going to be the, the, the Loki they're hunting, right? That's one of my theories. Yeah. Yeah. See, because this is a character who, in the regular MCU, has gone. There's been several movies that have have gone through his story arc and gotten him to the point. Uh, by the end of um, what was it, uh, Ragnarok? Yep. That Loki. You know, by the time we got to that, and this guy, this Loki, pretty much had to go through almost all of that within a very short span of uh, no pun intended time. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 All right. Well, there's a lot to see. I'm sure we'll talk about it again in upcoming episodes. Uh, Loki mm-hmm. is only six episodes long, uh, which means, I don't know, I guess about as long as Endgame. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that'll, that'll be be fun to see. Um, all right. Uh, Lydia, would you let everybody know uh, one last time where you can be found uh, on the wilds of the internet that you would like to be found? Okay. So on the interwebs, you can find me on the old school Instagrams. 
as my kiddos say, because old people do Instagrams, as they say. All the world's a stage, 07. You'll see all my kiddos. They're my models, by the way, with parent approval, because people are like, oh, Waymire, you're not supposed to have kids on your Instagram. I get permission. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. Snap, yes. snap, and around the world. Uh, you can see all my board games. <laughs> You can see all my board games with my kiddos and I give you educational tips on how you can use it. Oh, and I completely forgot. I'm also um, a contributor to the five by podcast uh, where I do uh, Lydia's board game, Lydia's educational board game corner, where not only can board games be fun, they could be educational too. And I'll put those in the notes. Uh, The Ticket Talks where they've been kind of like on a pause because not only am I a teacher, I'm also a grad student too. Where apparently gone either very far forward or very far backward in time. I'm not sure which. Oh, yes. Uh, because that's a whole different episode. I hope to do like board game therapy, but that's a whole nother thing. But you could, that's all the world's a stage of seven. And you can find me on the Twitterverse where I'm nice. And <laughs> you can see board game EDU 007. And um, yeah. Nice. Thank you. Excellent. John, yourself. Wow. Okay. Um, you find me at swarmcastpodcast.com. That's the Swarmcast, where we talk about all sorts of gaming and stuff. And there's even a kobold who keeps saying that he wants to be on this show at some point. Donald, I don't know what you want to do about that. All um, right. Well, we'll figure it out. <laughs> and uh, you can also just find me out there in the... Uh, on the uh, the, tw- the Twitter sphere, Twitter sphere, uh, Twitterverse, Twitter, the tw- the the multi Twitterverse or whatever. Um, you can find me as Cobalt Dude. Um, I'm on I'm on that uh, the Book of Faces as well. You can right. look for me there. And You're when you uh, <laughs> and when you look for Swarmcast podcast, don't get it confused with the Iowa Hawkeyes uh, football podcast which is also called Swarmcast Podcast. But if you do, you should email them and ask them, ask them where is Toast. That would be hilarious. Everybody should email those guys and ask them where is Toast. I, I was going to say, you can have Toast the Cobalt can come on if Ruby will wrangle Toast. Oh, yeah. Ruby's totally got to wrangle Toast. Up or something. Yeah. Should we mention what type of bread is on the Toast? No, Toast is the Cobalt. Oh, that's okay. his name. I thought we were literally <laughs> talking about like toast. So I was like, it's, <laughs> like I was like, do I need to mention honey wheat or like, you know, white? Mm. I was like, I'm ready. Let me get all the t- get all the types of bread. I'm I'm a big, I'm a big wheat berry fan myself. Ooh, I love me some. I can't think right now, so I'm just staring at the honey wheat loaf that I see on my counter. Nice honey wheat. Yes. All right. Well. Okay, and and I'm Donald. You can find me uh, (laughs) here, there, and everywhere as Walsfio. And I would like to thank everybody for listening to this. You can find out more about uh, myself and the other folks who help us create the uh, Inverse Genius shows over at InverseGenius.com. And, uh, yeah, uh, so that's it. Thank you for listening. Goodbye, everybody. Yay. Yay. That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 License. Thank you.